Let's get it. This is the Back Row Bengals Show. Thank you so much for coming on. This is brought to you by Fansided.com. And if you go there right now, you'll see something that just got put out. It's my first official blog on Fansided.com. Goes over the weekend, talks about the Bearcats and the Bengals. So it's, it's, a, it's a good one. Go over to the Bengals side of Fansided and you'll find it right there. Today on, I have somebody who has been on, I'm pretty sure, every single podcast that I have ever created <laughs> or ever been on. He's always been a guest. He's one of the reasons why I got into the podcasting game. My friend and yours, Mo Edgar. Mo, thanks so much for coming on, man. Wow, that, that is that is high praise. I typically, oh, yeah. they just you know say, "Hey, Mo's here." So, no, thanks for having me. <laughs> well, you absolutely <clears throat> deserve it. So, before yeah. we get into the travesty that was Sunday, I want to start out with a high note. I have to. Bearcats last night ranked number five in the uh, playoff committee poll. Something yeah. I was not expecting. I was expecting to stay at six, maybe even a move down to seven, but they. But the path sort of even became more clear to me, too, if they they stayed at five. And I was really impressed by that. What was your um, initial thought? I, I thought they five? were going to somehow hold steady. Um, so yeah. I was I was pleasantly surprised. I, I think it would have been really interesting to see how things would have played out um, had Oklahoma played and won. And yeah. I, I still really worry about them because I, I have a hard time believing that an unbeaten team from the Big 12 – that wins its conference championship isn't going to make the uh, the final four. But yeah, I mean, they 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 weren't as myopic as I think a lot of people thought that they were going to be and say, well, Cincinnati struggled to beat Tulsa, barely beat Tulsa. So what we're going to do is dock them. They they didn't do that. They 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 did what you would expect to happen if they were in a power five league. A team in front of them lost. They dropped that team. Cincinnati moved up. Um I don't know that the formula we've seen them use over the last three games is necessarily going to work over the final few weeks in which they, you know, sort of screw around and, and, and let a team that's not very good hang around. But yeah, it, it was, it, it told you that Saturday did not in a vacuum did not hurt their chances. And it made you feel like, you know what, as long as they win, they're, they're at least going to be in the conversation. Clearly right. they still need stuff to happen, but yeah, last night was encouraging. Yeah, it was. It just seemed like the path cleared up a little bit more. You were able to see, I mean, Bama's still got to play Georgia. Ohio mm-hmm. State still, you know, has a hard has a hard time down the stretch. Still got Michigan State, Michigan at the end, yeah. of, the, end of the year. So it's it, there, it showed me hope. It gave me a lot of hope as, as a Bearcats fan. But something that did not give me any hope at all was Sunday. <laughs> uh, Browns absolutely decimated the Bengals inside of Paul Brown Stadium. The amount of grown men that were barking in my face was rage-inducing. <laughs> it was horrible. And, and, you know, being in the Stripe Squad, I got the signs everywhere. So yeah. and, so everybody's like, give me the sign. I hated it. I hated it. So, obviously, there's a lot of blame to be passed around. Uh, but who do you think deserves the most of the blame here from that Bengals loss? You know, um, I'll start with Joe Burrow because mm. I just, it felt to me like the tone was set with that pick six that yep. uh, Denzel Ward took 99 yards. And I know the Bengals came back and scored the following drive, but it just, he's made some decisions this year. We all love Joe. J- Joe Burrow is going to be a phenomenal NFL quarterback and he's going to win a lot of games in Cincinnati. I, I believe that the day they drafted him and I believe that today. This is not a statement about, well, they have the wrong guy or should they have taken Herbert? It's he played a bad game. And yep. unfortunately, this team is is probably not good enough against decent opposition, is probably not good enough to overcome that. You know, they their, their defense was due to regress a little bit. And, you know, the, the talent level still needs to be worked on this offseason. So how do you rise above it? Your quarterback elevates you. And Joe on Sunday did the exact opposite. And, and that's that's been a theme over the first nine games. And sometimes they've been able to overcome it. Sometimes not so much, but there have been 
you know, a handful of picks this year, a handful of decisions where it's felt like uh, either he forced a ball to a place it should have been forced to, or just made a decision that you really can't explain. And part of that might be the, 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 the process that might be part of the process of, you know, just sort of evolving into the role that we all want to see him move into. But yeah, if I look at that game on Sunday, the defense was not very good. Nobody was, was very good. Jamar chase with a drop T Higgins with a drop. I mean, th- those things all add up, right. but um, uh, Joe was subpar by, by the standard that we hold him up to. He was subpar and this team is not good enough on a consistent basis to overcome that. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point. It's just just because we're critiquing him doesn't mean we don't think he's gonna he's not gonna be the savior of the franchise. We all believe that, but right. when he's making those mistakes, it's fair to critique him. And you know game. when he, yeah, he'd be the yeah, first right. one to tell you exactly. he had a bad game. It, it happens. It doesn't. Everybody's gonna have a bad game. Unfortunately, yeah. this team is probably not good enough, and the Browns played well enough that it was gonna be impossible for the Bengals to overcome it. Absolutely. So let's stay on the topic of Joe Burrow. So. I mean, something that I've noticed and something that I really love about Joe is that he likes to take shots. He loves to maybe fit into a tight window or throw the deep ball that maybe isn't quite there. And, you know, we have the athletes to do. We have uh, completed Jamar Chase, you got T. Higgins. uh, But when they're not, it's burning him. So now he's tied for the league high in interceptions with 11. Do you see the interception rate continuing? Uh, after this bye week and going into Las Vegas and the rest of the season, do you think? No, my my guess is, you know, this to me, even before he got hurt last year, this was, I think that the pivotal juncture that a lot of us had circled the second half of his second year where, all right, he's taken enough NFL snaps that he has seen essentially every kind of defense you could see. He's comfortable in the offense um, he's developed chemistry with the guys they feel like are going to be the core pieces. Uh, he's gotten used to working behind this offensive line, whatever it is. And so it's the second half of that second season. I, I say this unscientifically because it's not like I've gone back and looked at, you know, every great quarterback, how they did over the final eight or nine games of their second year. But th- this always to me felt like the time where you expected him to take his play to another level. And that doesn't mean he's going to be the best QB in the league. That doesn't mean he's not going to make mistakes, but um, if, if we want to chalk up the, some of the issues we saw with the pick with the picks over the first half of the season to an experience. Okay. Let's see how he learns from those mistakes and builds upon that experience. And I think we're going to see good things from him. The question is how much does that get offset by this team? Maybe not being as healthy in the second half of the season as it was in the first half, because the frustrating thing to me about the last two weeks is you got to win games while you're healthy. And they didn't do that. How much does that get offset by the defense regressing uh, to a degree? Um, How much does that get offset by, you know, just the the quality of the opponents they may play over the second half of the season. But uh, yeah, I mean, this to me has always been the period of time where you're like, all right, the second half of Joe's second season is when we want to see him take a major step forward. And I think he can, um, but that starts with, eliminating some of the head scratching mistakes we've seen this year. I mean, when he threw the pick early in overtime against the Packers, you were like, what was he thinking? Or the pick against the jets. And I know the the play was, you know, basically you're going one way. He turns the other way. There's going to be an unblocked guy. Joe gave him the ball. I mean, a couple of the picks against the bears, um, they looked like mental mistakes more than physical mistakes. And, look, sometimes a guy's just going to make a great play on the ball and Ward did that on Sunday, but there have been a lot of picks. We're just watching in real time that the millisecond he lets it go. You're like, dude, what are you doing? And I hope, and I think we're going to see fewer of those over the final half of, of the season. 
Right. And, and I think you bring up a great point. It's just this team isn't good enough around him to where Joe Burrow can have that bad game. Joe Burrow it needs to be there to elevate everybody else. So in one part uh, that has been saving Joe Burrow's ass over this year has been the running defense. And I thought, I mean, I thought going up into this game, the running defense was probably one of, if not the best part about this Bengals team. But they looked terrible against Nick Chubb and they looked terrible against Brown's offense. And, and granted, Nick Chubb's a a beast. He's one of the best right. backs in the league, but you can't be having that in the division in your own house when that's the best part of your team. Why do you yeah. think running defense was so bad? Was it the playing? Was it the actual execution? Or do you think it was scheme fit? Or do you think it was a little bit of both? I, I just think they, they got, they got out toughed and they got out uh, executed. I know those things are sort of cliche to say, but I, I don't know that they changed uh, from a from a schematic standpoint, really adjusted all that much from what they had done earlier in the season. Um, and they also went up against a team that emphasizes running the football. You know, I right. mean, the, the Browns, when Kevin Stefanski showed up last year, was we're taking the ball away from Baker Mayfield or we're going to give it to these stud running backs. They've they can do that against a lot of people. Um, and they did it against a defense that top to bottom, A, I think had overachieved early in the season. And that is to their credit, B. There, there's not a true difference maker on this defense. Maybe it's supposed to be Jesse Bates. We really haven't seen that this year. Their interior, their defensive line is better, but mm. there's not a guy that I think an opposing offensive coordinator sits down on Monday night and says, all right, we got to keep that guy from screwing up everything we're going to do. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that kind of played itself out a little bit on, on Sunday um, to a degree, but you know, you moving forward, what, what does this run defense look like? And did the Browns do things that other teams feel like they can borrow from and apply moving forward? Right. Yeah. And, and you know, this game, I mean, it, it's coming off of a, a really, really bad Jets loss. And you could tell the Bengals fan base was feeling it. So we've been 0 2 in the past two weeks, both hmm. really bad losses. One of them we should have definitely had leading with, by 11 and with seven minutes left against the Jets. And then this one was just an absolute ass kicking. Uh, but do you believe it's unfair to judge this Bengals team based off of what they've done the past two weeks? Because the seven weeks prior, they've been exceeding expectation and they've been doing really well. I, I think it's it's what are you judging? Are you judging whether the franchise is, is moving in the right direction? I don't know how two losses would make you change your mind. Is it, um, you know what, let's reassess their playoff chances? I think that's fair. Just the mathematics of it, right? They're five and four. So is like half of the conference. Um, they were sitting there in the number one seed in the AFC. And I think, you know, if we use tiebreakers, they're now 10th, uh, they're, they're last place in their own division. So the math has changed. And, and when math changes, um, you know, the, the, the probability of certain outcomes change. So I, I think if you two weeks ago were like, you know what division favorite, they're going to the postseason. Um, they could win a postseason game. Well, those things can still happen. And frankly, I, I still believe they will happen. But you're being fair if you go, well, wait a minute, because you blew the – and to me, the, the bigger deal was blowing the game to the Jets because I could look yeah. at that Browns game and said, bad 60 minutes, nobody played well, it happens. The Jets game was one. You're up 11 right. points, six and change to go. It's Mike right. White. You're supposed to win that game. I think if you look, though, and go, okay, well, at five and four, I don't feel as good as I did at five and two. And, man, if they go to Vegas and lay an egg, now five and five, where are the wins going to come from if they've got to get to ten wins? I think that's completely fair. I think if two weeks ago, though, you thought, you know what, things are really moving in the right direction towards something bigger and better in 2022 and beyond, I don't know why you still wouldn't feel that way. This season was, 
you know, when they were five and two and we were talking about them maybe winning winning the division, that, that meant they were going to skip a step. And the, the step they were going to skip was uh, improve in the win-loss column, but understand there's still going to be some growing pains. To me, that's what the last two weeks to a degree have, have reflected. I'm not making excuses for them, but yeah. again, if, if two weeks ago you felt like, you know what, this team's trajectory is pointed in the right direction, big picture, I think it still is. If two weeks yeah. ago you went into that Jets game thinking, we win this game six and two, and we're going to run away with the division. Well, clearly now they're not. So that very understandable if you change your perspective based on what's happened over the last two games. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think you're being totally fair. I think you got to throw in expectation too, because at sure. the expectation at the beginning of the year, it's, it was, you know, my expectation was, yeah, let's, if, I think we can do 10 and seven at ceiling. And then a lot of people were mm-hmm. calling seven and 10. And now we get it to five and two. Now we're calling 11, 12, 13 wins. And then now, right back to here, people are like, oh, can we even make the playoffs? So, I mean, you're, you're right. Yeah. But you're being completely fair if you're thinking both ways. So we have a question from, uh, the comments here is Russ Blackthorn. He's my dude. He said, I have a question for both of you. Do you think Burrow is too relaxed about the losing streak? Does he need to have a little more sense of urgency or is he just fine as it is? And I've seen that question pop up a lot on Twitter. And I want to get your, your honest opinion on that question. Do you think there's not enough urgency from Joe or do you think, you know, this is the mentality that he needs to have? I think he is by nature sort of a relaxed, hey, don't worry about it kind of guy publicly. I, I, I don't think you can accomplish what he's accomplished without understanding the stakes uh, in certain situations. So, look, I mean, he, he's very aware of the franchise's history. He's, he's very aware of, I think, what outsiders will say at the first sign of trouble. And I think there's something to be said about exuding some degree of calm. And I think calm can sometimes be mistaken for a lack of urgency. Um, I would be willing to bet that behind closed doors, Joe is full throttle in terms of preparation, leadership. But, you know, I, I do think there's something about not panicking, you know, is say what you want about Aaron Rodgers, but he was the guy that spelled the word relax a couple of years ago for the Packers after he and his team had had you know, so, so many struggles. I think there's something to be said about a leader exuding some degree of calm and that reflects confidence, but you know, this is a guy who's won a national championship. I mean, he, he's, he's aware of what this team has in front of it. I don't know if it's a, on his behalf, a lack of urgency. Now I've, I've wondered that about the Bengals before, but I, I don't, I just think they got outplayed and you know, he's trying to, you know, give off the vibe of, Hey, it happened and we're going to move on from it. Don't worry about it. I don't know that that's a lack of urgency as much as it is just his general nature and trying to impart some sense of calm on his teammates and, and outsiders as well. Right. Yeah. And I, I think, I think it's, it's more towards that. It's that sense of calm that he can bring over this team that we're not panicking. We, we got a long way to go. There's a lot, everything is still right in front of us. All of those expectations that we had two weeks ago are still there. Let's talk sure. about that. You got six of eight of your uh, six of your eight remaining games are going to be at home. You have the stripe squad behind you. How do you not have the confidence? <laughs> so you have that you're two and one in the division Two those two division wins are at Pittsburgh and at Baltimore. But from just reading Twitter and just following Bengals fans, you would think the state of Ohio is on fire. Mm-hmm. Why do you think fans are so quick to jump off of this off the Bengal bandwagon. I just think number one, I think that is a social media thing as much as anything else. And and number two, I just think that's the way people do things now. I mean, yep. 
you know, we're Bearcat fans, right? Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, after each of the last three games, I've been told they're going to fall out of the top 10. Season's going to be a failure. This is a loss. And yet those same people come back the following Saturday. So I, right. I, I feel like that's sort of reflective of just how we consume things. But then you add to it the franchise's history. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bengals fans, understandably so, are conditioned to expect the other shoe to drop. There's always – you're always sort of looking over your shoulder like, all right, what's behind, what's behind us? What's going to happen? Um, you expect the worst. And, and that's why – you know, I, I think ultimately at the end of the day, that's that's what Joe Burrow was brought here to do, right? To to right. get us to eventually, eventually start thinking differently about the Cincinnati Bengals and not always expecting the worst. But that's not going to come without some sort of breakthrough success, and that's going to involve more than just a five and two start. Um, when when you've been through the ringer with this team, and every time you get excited about something, there are cold doses of reality thrown at you. Uh, at some point you get apprehensive and you get wary and and you start to expect the worst thing to happen. But I do think if you look at it rationally, um, Sunday was their first just top to bottom bad performance. You know, the offense was bad against the bears, but the defense played pretty well. Um, They missed some kicks against the green Bay Packers and blew some opportunities on offense. But I don't think you walked away from that game going, boy, they played awfully. Right. Um, even the Jets game, I mean, offensively, they scored 31 points. The, the game against the Browns was the first time that they laid a complete and total collective team-wide stinker. Right. So, all right, I'll give you one of those. You got to beat the Jets when you're up by 11 points late. But, yep. it, you know, it's it's cliche to say, but if I would have said to you in, in yeah. August, through nine games, they're going to be five and four, and they'll go into their bye healthy. Um. And they'll have wins in their back pocket against the Steelers and against the Ravens on the road. They will have won a game in prime time. Um, I think most of us would have taken that and said, I'll take my chances with the second half of the season. So here we are. They're five and four. Let's take their chances with the second half of the season. Right. Yeah. And I I think a lot of it is is coming from where these losses came from. I, I I know every single Cincinnati Bengals fan doesn't want to get beat by the Browns, let alone at home, let alone exactly like that. So that's probably where a lot of this jumping ship is coming from. Um, But as someone that is in Cincinnati and, and been a fan of Cincinnati sports my entire life, I have nothing but have to be optimistic because if I'm pessimistic, I'm just I'm just going to be in a constant state of depression. So I have to be optimistic <laughs> with these teams, and, and you know it too. I think this team can go 6-2 and two down the stretch. I think they can dominate and get back to where they were at that 5-2 and two record. I see it with this team. Where do you think the, what do you think the Bengals are going to do down this remaining stretch? My guess is they finish 4-4 four and four and go 9-8, and eight and, uh, um, uh. you know, I mean – is that going to be good enough to get into the postseason? I think it's possible. Just I don't know how many of these teams get to ten wins. You know, mm-hmm. right? So then it, it's going to come down to things like tiebreakers and stuff like that, and the weirdness of a seventeen-game season. I'll, I'll put it to you this way: If they beat the Las Vegas Raiders, I think they get to ten wins. If they lose to the Las Vegas Raiders, I think they're they're stuck at nine wins. And and that's again, you know, before the season, they're going to increase their win total by more than double. You would have taken that, but yes. relative to where they were at five and two, I think this game against Vegas is huge. Mm-hmm. That Las Vegas team has had a thousand things happen around it, um, tragic and and otherwise. Yeah, but they've played better this year than than people have expected them to. And Derek Carr's, I think, a, a better quarterback than people have at times given him credit for. Right. 
Right. Um, two weeks to prepare. I mean, you know, I at face value, I, I I look at the the remaining eight games and I go, well, they finished four and four. At the same time, the team that I watched for most of the first nine weeks is an above five hundred team. Is a quality team. Doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. Right. So. I'll I'll amend it. I say they go five and three, and they'll finish with ten wins. Okay, well there you go, five and three, finish. I just talk myself into good. it on the fly. Yes, How about that? yes, yeah. yes. Sure. Come on, Mo. Yeah. Come on the optimism. Let's go. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Because I've been here. I heard you on Monday. You're like nine, four and four down the stretch. You heard my heart here. Yeah. All right, got you to ten wins. There we go. Got me to ten wins. There I did it. There, yes, there we go. I'll call James. I'll make sure he knows. Make sure uh, he knows. So, so. Did you happen to see on Twitter what happened when the the clown from Cleveland uh, decided to do one of the biggest no nos on Twitter? His attack, yeah, the, one of the a part of the Bengals, you know, nation. What did you make of that whole entire situation? Well, I, I just I found it and I retweeted it. Uh, and mm. I included a picture of three Cleveland Browns fans with their face painted dog bone hats, and one guy's eating Alpo. <laughs> um, but it was, so it's just rich with irony that the, the, I think that the NFL franchise that you most associate with fans doing overboard stuff, harmless stuff, mm-hmm. unless you're throwing stuff at people is the Cleveland Browns. And right. so this guy, and I don't know who he is. I don't know anything about him, but, but this guy's been in Cleveland all this time, been covering the Browns all this time, been ostensibly a Browns fan before and has never saw somebody eating a dog biscuit with a dog mask or their face painted like a dog and hasn't done the exact same thing. Would he be willing to do that about a fan in Cleveland? Um, I get how it works. Somebody does something like that, like the Tony, the tiger guy, and he's obviously, you know, okay with getting attention and you right. give it to him and everybody sort of laughs and pokes at him. Um, that's fine. You know, he's not harming anybody by painting his face. No. He's not ruining anybody else's experience. So right. what do you care? But, but it just, it was, it was rich with irony to me that the, here's a guy from Cleveland where they eat dog food and where they paint their faces like, uh, you know, pit bulls yep. and German shepherds or whatever. And Mark at grown men. And he's yeah. And he's and, yeah. And, and he's taking a shot at a guy in Cincinnati doing something similar, harmless, but, but similar. I just, I thought that was, was interesting. And I, I just, yeah. I wonder how many times he has pointed out somebody in Cleveland doing something comparable to this guy, because right. my guess is the reaction of the folks in Cleveland would have been similar to the reaction of the folks here about what he yeah. did to the guy who's a Bengals fan. Right. Yeah. And, and it was, but it was so great to see like the entirety of the, you know, it's almost like taking a positive out of a massive negative from Sunday. Mm-hmm. It's just, just the unity and the, and the come back together. And I think this new age of Bengals fan, that's kind of what you're going to see. You're going to see a lot of belief and hope in this team. So, I mean, oh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I you know, I, I just, if, if somebody's not harming somebody else, what do I care about how they dress? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Things to worry about in my life. Right. So. Right. Yeah. There's, there's, there's too, there's too much other stuff going on. So I, I really, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I have, I just want to finish off with a lighter note. I yeah. want to go back to the Bearcats here. I mean, obviously college game day, on Saturday, it was absolutely incredible. I was out there at 4.30 in the morning, and the line from Mick and was all the way backed up to Nippert Stadium at that time in the bitter cold. 
and it was it was incredible. How did you experience uh, game day? Were you out there with me, or were you uh, were you watching uh, from the cozy? No, camp? so I went on Friday, and I took okay. in some of the scene uh, on Friday. I you know, I went to game day in Orlando in 2018 when UC was there, so I've had a chance to mm. watch the show get executed, and that was really cool. I wanted to see how it looked on television. I also had mm. somewhere I had to be. Um, right. Saturday morning, which precluded me from going down there. But I, I wanted to, it was the first time I'm probably like most like Saturday morning game day is on at my house, but yeah. I haven't sat down and watched college game day for three hours since right. I was probably in college. I, I just, right. I got stuff going on on Saturday morning. Um, usually Saturdays are all about football and the Bearcats and whatever. So I'm trying to get stuff done, but it's, it's, so it's always on. Mm-hmm. it's the first time that I've sat down and watched the show. And, and I, I also wanted to have a frame of reference that was similar to most people. And most people watched it on TV and it was awesome. It was, uh, it, it just, it, you know, the, the Jesus signs kept multiplying. Yeah. On, yeah. Where'd that come from? Well, I don't know what that's all about. I, I guess I yeah. do know what that's all about, but it just was a great advertisement for the city, for the school, for the program. Nobody embarrassed themselves. I even yeah. thought, as much as a lot of us rolled our eyes about Nick Lachey, you, yeah. you, know, you, you can tell he pays attention to college football because I've yeah. watched that show enough where they get some celebrity who, you know, they have no idea what's going You can tell Nick Lachey does pay attention oh, yeah. to college football, which which I appreciated. Right. And look, there are worse ambassadors for your city. Oh, I mean, the, the dude, correct. I think most people have no idea why he's famous, but but he's not infamous. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's a good thing. But yeah, I, I, I having watched it on TV, it was it was really really cool, and having gone down on Friday and seeing all the excitement that people had for the set being built and all that stuff was was cool. And what I hated about the game on Saturday is that the way it ended, for mm-hmm. a lot of people, it didn't punctuate this this awesome day. It was right. a downer, and I, I just mm-hmm. I understand the concerns about how every game is going to affect their ranking, but I I don't understand consuming uh, this team that way. Yeah, right. And, and and just if if you're going to if my thing is is you know, I played football pretty much all the way all the way through high school and something that that I always been harped on is man, winning winning is hard. Winning is hard yes. in football. That's why the Bearcats are one of four teams of 126 that are still undefeated. That's talked, how hard winning is. Yeah, I go down on Tuesdays and I talk with players for the pregame show on Saturday and I I chatted with Michael Young cuz I wanted to talk about what it was like to catch a touchdown pass while laying on your back. And I asked him, I go, you know, are you guys starting to feel the pressure of not just having to win every game, but blow everybody out and you've got to be perfect. And he's like, you know, I don't think people realize how hard it is to win. I don't think people realize regardless of who you're playing, how hard it is to get away with a win. And, and yeah. I agree with that. I, I think we, you know, I've been a fan of this program since I was uh, 15 years old. Um, I'm not going to take a nine and O season for granted. I'm not going to take having them in this conversation of the college football playoff. I'm, I'm not going to take that for granted. And I, I hope the players are enjoying what they're doing and not being burdened by, Oh, we didn't win by enough or, Oh, what's right. the committee going to do at the end of the day? You know, those things do matter, but at the end of the day, they shouldn't compromise the enjoyment of something that is hard to accomplish and that this team so far has accomplished. Right. Yeah. I, I think you're hundred percent right. You keep picking apart those wins, then eventually you're just going to stop enjoying the season. And mm-hmm. that, that makes total sense. Well, Mo, I know you got a busy schedule. I know you got a lot going on. You're already in the studio, ready to go. Can't wait to listen to you later. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. And hopefully I can see you really soon. Are you going to the game on Saturday? The, uh, 
basketball game? Uh, no, it's my wife's 40th birthday. So, oh, okay. Yeah, I was hoping that would be a day game, but I promised her we would all go out. So, I'm going to miss the Georgia game. I've missed in 22 years, I've missed six home games. Six. This will be number seven. It's going to break my heart. And especially after the way they played, they played, you know, I was so great thrilled with how they played like i'm like oh you know usually game number two you're like oh this is not going to be watchable mm-hmm. uh i want to watch this team some more so unfortunately um i won't be there i hate that for you but i really i know do. it sucks all right everybody mo Egger, espn 1530 go follow him on twitter at mo Egger. it's just that simple mo thank you so much for coming on my friend okay josh anytime man thanks thanks sir all right that was mo Egger, espn 1530 uh Absolutely great guy. Super nice. Um, in, he doesn't look at himself as somebody that is famous in the Cincinnati area. It, to me, he is. To me, he he really is. And I, he's someone that I, I've really modeled a lot of my podcast voice off of and a lot of my, um, you know, sort of prowess, I guess, off of him. And, and, you know, so he's one of the reasons why I've gotten to the podcasting game. I've been listening to him pretty much ever since he started uh, in Cincinnati and you know, and it was great to have him on. So hopefully we'll get him on again real soon. Again, so we got a lot going on today at 5.30, going on with Strawberry Ice a little bit later. We're going to talk about Bengals, Bearcats, all that situation. Then we're going to, after that, we have the college football playoff ranking show with me and Brian Miller tonight at 7.45. So be there. We're going to talk about how the Bearcats can get in, what this new ranking means, and uh, just pretty much everything around college football in general if you are looking to read something especially about the this this weekend which was absolutely magical going from excuse me not even magical i would say you started off at the peak at college game day and how we just spiraled downward to end it on sunday uh that is going to be up live on fansided.com please 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 go read it uh it means a lot to me and it 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 really boosts the numbers and really helps out Share it, read it, do everything you can for it. All right, guys, that's going to be my time. I'm going to see you tomorrow. We'll talk about what this buy means, what the Bengals need to do. A quick uh, news update. Chidobe Awuzie just got uh, contacted. He is going to be put on the COVID list. Uh, Thank God it's coming into the buy. So there's hope that he'll play in Vegas, but we don't exactly know. So we'll go from there. We'll talk tomorrow. All right. Thank you all so much for uh, coming on and listening. And I got to... Another shout-out to Russ Blackthorne. That dude is literally got to be my number one fan. I love this guy. He's always on, and he's always talking, and uh, I'll be sure to listen. He'll probably be on for uh, Strawberry Ice later, so if you don't follow Russ Blackthorne, go follow him right now. Uh, All right, guys. Thank you all so much. Bye. Peace.